Blossom Your Awesome Podcast, episode number 103. Today on the show, Dr. Amy Novotny is here with us. Dr. Amy founded the Paver Institute with the mission to provide pain, stress, and anxiety relief to those who seek a naturalistic form of treatment. She is a high achiever, marathoner, ultramarathoner, author, photographer, polyglot, and has helped people all over the world with her Paber method, pain awareness, breathing relief. I am so honored and delighted to have Dr. Amy here with us, sharing her wisdom and insights. Dr. Amy, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Sue. It's wonderful to be here and I'm excited to see where we go with this conversation. Oh my God. I'm so like just blown away by your story. You are a doctor of physical therapy. You are the founder of the PABR method and the PABR Institute, pain awareness, breathing relief. Um, And then you are a high achiever. I'm going to have to say you're a marathoner, an ultra marathoner, an author, a photographer, a polyglot. It goes on and on. I got to catch my breath. But that is amazing. So give us a little bit of the backstory with your practice and the PABR Institute and how that came about. Yeah, sure. So I did my doctorate in physical therapy and I practiced it for about five years. And I realized when I was working with people, they would get better, but they didn't really own it. And there was a lot of people who had chronic pain that didn't get fully better. And that bothered me. I'm always, I've always been a curious person and always wanted to find like the true rationale. And a lot of physical therapy is just do this because that's what seems to work or address all of the joints and you'll eventually get to the problem. And I wanted to be more specific about it. And so I started down a journey where I started taking courses through it's called the Postural Restoration Institute, which got me to look at the body differently. They pointed out a lot of asymmetries. And at the same time, I was running marathons, training to qualify for the Boston Marathon. So I started just kind of thinking about things differently, thinking about the body differently. And I was running on the treadmill eight miles, three times a week, about 55 minute uh, runs. So I was running at a fast pace for me. And I started playing with my body position, specifically rib cage, my breathing mechanics. I started playing with it while I was in the middle of this run. And when I changed things a certain way, I felt my body just relax and all the typical runners aches and pains went away. Like all of them. I was like, oh, that was nice. (laughs) How'd I do that one? And so I I kept playing with it. And when I would get off the treadmill after running the eight miles, it didn't even feel like I was just, you know, having run it for an hour. Like it didn't feel like I just went eight miles. I didn't have to stretch. I stopped stretching. I stopped foam rolling. I stopped scraping all these things that I was telling people you have to do to stay flexible and mobile as a physical therapist. I stopped doing it literally just was like, I don't need to wow, this is great. My body feels very free. It doesn't feel locked up from doing a hard workout. And so it took a while to kind of put it into um, practice, figure out what I was doing. It 
took years, a lot of experimentation on people to come up with this process that I call the PABR method, P-A-B-R. And once I started becoming known for this, people started coming into, at the time I was in Arizona, they started seeing me and saying, oh, okay, I want that. And I started helping people avoid major surgeries, neck surgeries, back surgeries, uh, knee replacement surgeries, other joint replacement surgeries. And so I got hired by a photographer, world famous older gentleman photographer who came in from Florida. And when he felt everything, um, all of his aches and pains of 40 years go away, he went home, he fell on some water, busted up his shoulder, came back and saw me. And he was told that he had to have surgery. MRI showed he had to have surgery. He couldn't lift his arm past waist level. And when he um, finished with me, he could lift his arm up overhead, um, no surgery, just in a few days. And so he hired me to travel around with him around the world from the Arctic all the way to the Antarctic. And so I did that for six months, coaching him on this process. And when I finished, I said, okay, time to start my own thing. <laughs> it's time to get out there in the world, time to create this process, found this institute and to start hitting it hard and try to help more and more people, get people to think about things differently. And that, that led me to create the Institute and I started speaking at different events around the country. And now I help people internationally um, through Zoom. Mm, Wow. That is so amazing. Now, some questions here. So (laughs) first, I mean, like countless questions, but the first one is had you, so it sounds like you're incorporating some sort of breath work with the movement, right? Which I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of sounds similar to Qigong almost or something. Um, you would think so. It's very different from that. Very, very different. Okay. So it's not breath work in the sense of what we would think of breath work. So a lot of breath work practice out there looks at the rhythm of breathing, like hold your breath for a certain time, blow out for a certain time. There's like this rhythm looking at timing. Um, Qigong has a lot of movements, slow movements, balancing. So, and that's completely different. So what we're doing is looking at the position of your skeletal structure, specifically your rib cage and how your rib cage is positioned can stimulate the fight or flight nervous system that ramps you up and tightens you up, or you can change the rib cage position and release that nervous system, your body releases so you don't feel tight. The other aspect is how you position your ribs determines how you breathe. If we sit in the typical position or posture that everyone thinks is perfect, chest out, shoulders back, suck up your gut, you're putting your rib cage in a position that stimulates the nervous system to ramp you up and tighten up your body. So you'll seem like you're inflexible. At the same time, it also takes away support for your diaphragm when you sit in that position and will have you breathe more shallow and will stimulate the nervous system that way as well because your breathing mechanics have changed. So when we start working to get your rib cage back down where it should be, 
and you can feel the side ribs drop down to support the diaphragm, your body just goes and just calms down. Mm. And it releases abnormal muscle contractions that you don't even have an awareness of that is happening based on other stressors in your life. So it's, and it's a process. And so I, I warn people, I'm like, you're not going to be belly breathing because that's not diaphragmatic breathing. That's completely not. <laughs> that's abdominal distension. We're working on truly supporting the diaphragm by changing your mechanics. So it's a little bit of a shock for people, especially those in the breath work, breath um, work world. They're like, wait a second, what do you mean? Belly breathing's not diaphragmatic breathing. And it's a big shock to their system. And so I'll explain the anatomy and physiology. And once they see that and can feel it, they understand the difference. Wow, that is fascinating. And now how did you, I mean, had you done some sort of training in this? I mean, for you to come up with your own method, it's just so phenomenal. Like, was it just trial and error? I mean, what did that entail? Yeah, so it was a lot of trial and error on myself. Um, so I have, I have the anatomy and physiology background through my doctoral studies. So I understand the body well. And when I realized that we were trying to teach people to breathe in a way that doesn't support the diaphragm, it's like, why are we doing that? Why don't we actually support it by using our anatomy to do that? Especially if we want to use the diaphragm to get oxygen in our lungs and to calm us down, why don't we look at how can we truly support it from an anatomical and physiological way. Mm. And so that's what I studied. And as I studied that and I studied the nervous system, I started applying it first to myself as my own guinea pig, especially since I was doing a lot of high stress activities and pushing things to the limits, running up to a hundred miles at a time. Like I was really pushing myself. So I said, okay, I'm a good specimen because if I can sense and feel things differently, I'll be able to do this on other people. And then I started experimenting on other people with their permission, of course. And people would get better faster than physical therapy or other traditional healing timeframes. So then it's a matter of, okay, I need to put this into a process. Why did it work for that person, but not for that person? What is it in that person, in their background, how they hold themselves in their nervous system that they can't sense and feel what that person got in two seconds. And so as I started doing this, at first the approach was just for pain relief. Then I started getting all the other comments. It's helped me with my stress, my anxiety, my insomnia. I don't need to have surgery anymore. So it's emotional trauma. Like all these things started cropping up. So that led me to the research even more. Okay, what else is going on here that I need to figure out so I can be well-educated and truly help people? Mm, Wow, that is so incredible. And now, you know, talk to us. I know on your website, one of your things or part of this method is helping or teaching people how to activate your internal healing system. Give us some insight into this. Like, what do we have going on here that we're not aware of? Yeah. So if we think about a lot of the modalities out there, physical therapy, chiropractic, massage, acupuncture, um, you name it, all of those are external. 
they're, they are either a person or a thing that's being applied to the person's body to promote healing. Okay. In ourselves, we don't need someone to touch us, put electrodes on us, twist us till we pop. We don't need that. We truly need to learn how to control what's called the autonomic nervous system, or at least have some, some control over it. We can't fully control it, but we can have an influence over it. And if we can learn how to calm ourselves down on purpose to release what the stressors and the response has done throughout the day, you then tap into the internal healing system. Let me give you an example. So let's say you and I are talking right here where we are, but let's say all of a sudden there's this loud bang and it makes me jump. Okay. And I am thinking, oh gosh, you know, a gun just went off. I need to be a little bit scared. Something like that triggers me. And now I can look outside and be like, oh, that was just a car backfiring. Why, you know, I just overreacted. Like I don't need to be over, you know, overly sensitive. I just cleared myself mentally and emotionally and intellectually. But when I first heard that loud bang, my body had a physiological response. Muscles tightened up throughout my body to cause me to be on edge to either be able to fight, flee, freeze, or whatever. If I don't pause and, and work on releasing that physiological change, then my nervous system is going to think I need to stay that way. That's where people get into problem. If I don't recognize that I need to release and let go, especially after hearing that noise, I'm going to stay ramped up for a very long time. And this happens with every stressor in our life, and it adds up time over time, and we don't even sense and feel it. Something that's a huge stressor, you know, a loud noise or something, you'll feel the tension in your body. But something like maybe an argument you have with someone where it causes some stress and you're not really paying attention to your body because you're so emotionally involved, your body's changing without your awareness. And because of that, your nervous system is changing and the nervous system's control over your body changes. So when we step back and say, okay, let's learn to relax this fight or flight nervous system. It starts to help with digestion. It helps with circulation. It helps with sleep. It helps with your musculoskeletal system. It helps with your, your mind, your mental and emotional health. It helps with all these systems all throughout our body that we don't realize. And so once you get those systems start to working together, because you've calmed down, your healing goes up. Mm, wow. And then, and this is all part of the method, learning the method and learning to, and it, this is, and it, people can take, are there classes or is it one-on-one -on -one instruction that you offer? Yeah. So, so depends on the person. I do have a video course that's just video only. And I have that that's launched. That's on the website. Anyone can have, you know, go ahead and look at that and purchase that and get started on that. That's the fundamentals of what I do. And then once they finish that, there's an advanced course that they can then enroll in. 
Otherwise, you can work with me one-on-one coaching. And then periodically, I'll do a live group coaching courses, just depending on the year and what's going on in my life and all those activities. But those are the three options that people have for learning this, as well as I do, you know, occasional videos for free that just teach like just the little snippets of it to kind of get their appetite wet and just kind of learn a little bit of the basics. Oh, that is awesome. And I will be sure to have links to your site and all of that for people. Now, uh, you know, question for you. So I love that you're, what you do is this naturalistic approach. What are some things that people would find surprising that, you know, they think they need to go to like a clinical, you know, uh, setting for, I mean, you're a clinician as well, but, you know, more kind of Western medicinal routes. Like they might need medication for surgery for. What are some of the things you treat that would that people wouldn't anticipate you treat? Um, a lot of people think that when they're bone on bone arthritic, that they need to have surgery. And I've worked with so many people who who had been doing injections for decades, um, pills, daily pills for years, and scheduled for joint replacement surgery and. Once they learn this, they've gotten themselves out of the pain and they didn't have the surgery. That's a big one. Um, Sometimes people with back and neck um, impingement nerve issues, they often think that surgery is the only way and they're really surprised when they find out that's not the case. Other things, um, people are always usually surprised to find out that our body stores a lot of our trauma and it gets held in our body. And if you can learn to release the body and your body starts to feel safe again, and you feel connected with your body, that you start to release some of those traumas. And that can show up like crying. It can show up with your arms flailing. It can show up with a shift into a different personality. There's a lot of varied responses, especially when it comes to PTSD, trauma, emotional aspects of of whatever has happened in your past. So most people don't realize how all this is connected. And then of course, you know, the other stuff is just general aches and pains, you know, neck pain, knee pain, shoulder pain, all those things. But some of the different things are kind of what I just mentioned there, as well as insomnia too. That's a big one that people don't realize that their nervous system is very closely tied to that. Because if they're ramped up all day, the nervous system doesn't know how to just turn off at night just because you close your eyeballs. It just doesn't. So you have to retrain it on how to turn off so you can get a good night's sleep. Wow. I love that. That is so fascinating. Now, you know, can you talk to us a little more about the autonomic nervous system and how that functions in our body and when to know like what to kind of be looking out for or what we can do to kind of keep regulated. Yeah, sure. So the autonomic nervous system helps run a lot of our body's processes without us thinking about it. So our heart, our organs, our kidneys, our, um, our digestive tract, it helps run those blood pressure, heart rate. It tells our body just to keep going and for, we don't have to say, okay, heart, start beating. Like it does it all for us. And the autonomic nervous system has three components. One is your enteric nervous system, which is your gut and your digestive tract. 
Then you have the parasympathetic nervous system. That's your rest, digest, relaxation, repose nervous system. And then the fight or flight nervous system is the sympathetic nervous system. That's fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. And fawn meaning people-pleasing, a desire to use your words to just like calm the situation down, even if it's not really appropriate. You're just trying to escape any danger. So that's called, that's fawning. So when we are, when we get into a high alert state, it can look like many different things. You can be emotionally reactive. You can have chronic pain. You can feel tight all over your body. You can have adrenal fatigue, chronic fatigue syndrome. I see it in people with fibromyalgia, anything where you feel tight, people with shortness of breath because they feel like they can't get a breath, anxiety, stress. There's many ways it shows up in our body, many, many ways. And at first, sometimes that nervous system, we want it. It's just not supposed to be on all the time. So like, let's say you're existing in a very peaceful, relaxed, calm mode. You feel safe in your body. You're not emotionally reactive. And then let's say you're just walking down the street and you see someone about to get hit. You run across the street, you save them and you just save them. So you just kicked in your fight or flight nervous system for a very good purpose. Like that was awesome. It's supposed to be there. Okay. We want that to be part of our nervous system so that we can act quickly if we need to. The problem is we get stuck in the on position and that's when chronic health problems start to show up. And we don't realize that we have developed this way of existing over time that a lot of people have burnout because they're just on and high alert for so long. Their health starts to deteriorate because they've crossed a threshold and they can't come back down. They don't know how to calm, calm themselves back down. So this process is to help people learn how to regulate themselves and calm themselves down, feel free in their body, feel safe, feel their personality might shift and change as well. And it can be either good or bad for those around them. I've had both, both scenarios where I've had women where they've calmed down and the husbands are like, gosh, you are just so much more pleasant to be around. And then they try it and the relationships improved. And then I've had it where men calm down and the, the wife are like, why are you not doing as much things? Why are, why are you sitting on the couch or relaxing? Like you should be doing more around the house. So it kind of goes both ways, but people can feel how they shift in their perspective on the world changes as well. And it just depends on the person and the response. Wow. Oh my God. I love that. That is so um, insightful. Now, you know, for you personally, because you're obviously, I mean, you do this for a living, you're implementing PABR probably all day, every day, right? For yourself and you're healthy, you're running marathons, you're doing all this stuff. What is some practical guidance that you can give people for maintaining optimal health, just some of your own kind of practical guidance as a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, kind of beyond like the power method, cause that's, that takes time to learn. Um, certain things I would say 
I recommend that a lot of people get at least eight hours of sleep a night. I know there are certain genetics that allow people to get six hours of sleep a night, but really working on getting a long period of sleep and not having it start after midnight. So our sleep cycles are broken up into 90 minute cycles and the before midnight, your deep sleep, the deep slow sleep sleep is more predominant. And when that's more predominant, the brain is connecting you to the parasympathetics and switching you over into relaxation mode. So if you're not getting to bed until midnight or after, you're losing out on the sleep cycles that are highly dominant in getting you to calm down. So I tell people at minimum, try to get to bed by 10 o'clock. That your body really depends on it. Your nervous system depends on it. Looking at diet, trying to minimize sugar, caffeine, dairy, gluten, all these things that produce an inflammatory or antibody response. We want to get our body out of this cycle of chronic inflammation. Because when the fight or flight nervous system initially kicks in, it helps boost inflammation, but that's just for a short period of time to help you overcome something. But if you're in a cycle of chronic inflammation based on what you're eating and drinking, that's going to put you more in that fight or flight mode as well. Other things that people typically wouldn't expect when you sit in a chair, actually use it for its purpose, which is to be a support for you to relax and calm down. A lot of people use their chair as an exercise and they sit on the edge of it and stick their chest out, shoulders back and suck up their gut, which is going to turn the nervous system on. Or they'll sit on a bouncy ball and sit that way the whole day. And then they wonder why their body can't calm down at night. So it's another way that we're overstimulating ourselves. And obviously we don't want to be sitting for a long period of time. You should get up every half hour or an hour walk around and maybe do standing, stand at your desk. But when you sit, sitting is innately a position of relaxation. And we confuse our brain when we make it an exercise and never give our brain a chance to work with the body to calm itself down. Mm, Wow. Okay. That was a really great practical insight there. Now, it's kind of switching gears here for a moment. So you are You've co-authored two best-selling books, Don't Quit, Stories of Persistence, Courage, and Faith, and Success Habits of Super Achievers. Talk to us about this, like this idea of not quitting persistence, courage, and faith. Like, Give us some insights on that. Yeah. So a lot of times this happens to us in life. We're just faced with what feels like a mountain in front of us and nowhere to go. But if we have this idea of where we want to go and just chip at it little by little and hold on to the little successes, it helps us get through and start climbing so we can get to the top and over the other side. And that has been something that's I've had to work through my life. And I have been part of just many different events in my life where I wanted to give up, wanted to curl up in a ball and go hide in a closet. But I chose that since I'm alive, why not push through and give it a whirl? And it's it has led to great things happening when I didn't quit. But it's it's definitely hard in the meantime. There's a lot of tears that were shed. <laughs> There's wrinkles under my eyes from all those tears. <laughs> 
But I just kept pushing through and just held on to one positive piece of hope that I could. Mm, And where does that resilience come from? Um, I think it's always been inside me. I remember just being from very little that I've always had the mindset, if someone else could do it, why couldn't I? Like I'm fully capable. I have a full body, a brain. Why can't I do it? And so I just remember just from being little, I did sports that other girls didn't do. I did activities that other people didn't do. I just said, why not? If they can, I can. If they found a way, I can find a way. And so it's just been innate in me ever since I was little just to keep trying and find a way to make something happen. Mm, I love that. And now, um, so, you know, coming up with this method, um, the Paber method and helping Mm -hmm. countless people like you are with the work you're doing, I think it's so remarkable. Like, what has that done for you on like a personal soul level? It must be so rewarding and so fulfilling. It really is. And you know what it's really helped me on is not dwelling on myself. So you know how we go through a day and we analyze ourselves in a way like, am I good enough? Should I really be doing that? Should I stop doing something? Am I the right person for that? It got me out of my own way and my own negative thought process that was made up and not serving me. Instead, it got me thinking, okay, I just saw this person get themselves out of pain just by me guiding them. Awesome. Okay. How do I get more people to do this? How do I get it to the next level? And when I see people healing and they're doing it themselves, and that's that's the beauty is like, my hands are off. I'm not doing anything to them. I'm just teaching them. They have to follow. We have to communicate so they can sense the right things but they ultimately did it themselves and no one can take that away from them. It's so empowering to the person. And it makes me realize that there is so much of what we're taught that maybe we just need to reflect on and see, okay, is there another way to do things that doesn't require some outside source that allows us to do it ourselves so that we feel good And then we can spread that. So, Mm, Oh, my God. I love that. And I love how, uh, you know, the method, it's beyond just kind of, okay, you're fixing people, but you're you're helping them fix themselves. Like you're empowering them, like you just said. Yeah. The best thing that someone can come back and say to me is like, Amy, okay, I was just in this situation. I was walking up these stairs and I started feeling something, but I was like, wait a second. Okay, what am I supposed to do? What am I doing to my body? And I just changed it. I implemented some of the things that we did. It was a little bit different from what we did, but I I modified it to going up the stairs. All the pain went away and I completely flew up those stairs. Like, okay, that is the best response. They took the lessons and the ideas, applied it to their situation in the moment and got themselves out of pain. It doesn't get much better than that. Mm, Oh my God. Wow. I love it. Okay. So, um, 
couple of things. First, I just want to say you have been so amazing, so insightful. I know people are going to have takeaways here from uh, what you've shared. And I just thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate and thank you for letting me talk and share the long story and explain all this. It's, you know, it's an honor to be here. And I thank you for your time and your audience's time. Oh, you've been amazing. And now in closing, if there were one message, your hope for everyone out there, what is that message you'd like to leave people with? Sure. So I would say, allow yourself to relax every day, at least a couple times a day. Your health and your body depend on it. It's not being lazy, it's not being a slob, it's not being an underachiever, it's not being unsuccessful. It's actually the opposite. It's it's the opposite of all those things and you'll see your energy soar. Mm, oh my God, I love it. You've been so awesome. Thank you so much.